Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Justin Berg. And it's uh, it's a big week in Bearcat land as the Cincinnati Bearcats get set for their two biggest games of the regular season. They travel on the road to take on number 25 Central Florida on Thursday. And then at home, where did Houston, are they 10 or 12? 12. Houston, number 12 Houston at home. Senior day, Sunday at noon. Don't forget, Saturday night is uh, daylight savings time. So we will be losing an hour of sleep and then a noon game. So basically, for everybody's bodies, an 11 a.m. game. I'm sure that right out of the gate is going to be played at an incredibly high level. Yeah, probably about <laughs> 10 to 8 at the under 8-minute timeout. <laughs> that seems high. Um, but just a, an absolute monster week coming up for the Bearcats. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that here shortly. First off, uh, Saturday, I, I'm almost programmed to say Sunday because it feels like once we get to, like, the end of the NFL season, every UC game is on a Sunday. Um, but Saturday, Bearcats were able to hold on and knock off Jeremiah, the fighting Jeremiah Martins. Um, I, am, I am not going to miss him when he graduates. <laughs> God, that what a what a eight, nine ten game stretch that kid is having for Memphis, and I, I'd almost at this point I'd almost be tempted to vote him Player of the Year in the league. I, I know we there's a there's a, a bias here because of Jaron Cumberland and everything he's done, but Jeremiah Martin is just ridiculous right now, and uh, that was on display in the second half. Of course, luckily for Cincinnati, Cumberland got out of his funk in that second half. And uh, was able to match pretty much blow for blow with Jeremiah Martin. Uh, different different ways to get there. Cumberland at the free throw line. Uh, Martin making shots from all over the place. But they both got there. And uh, the end result was a, a close Cincinnati win. In which Logan Johnson was inserted in the final seconds. And he broke on a pass. Jumped a route. Uh, an outlet pass to Jeremiah Martin. Got the steal. And the Bearcats win the game. It was, and our mouths were wide open looking at each other i'm sure a lot of people's were <laughs> well i like that was that free throw was gonna miss you knew it and you knew jeremiah martin was gonna have the ball from probably 30 feet which for him right now is a layup and the odds were it felt like great they memphis is gonna steal this game after everything that's happened all season memphis is gonna steal this one here and out of nowhere, Logan Johnson comes flying from out of the screen, tips it up in the air, catches it, dribbles out the clock, and that was the ball game. And, and we were both of us just complete shock that, that what we had just saw actually happened. Yeah, when your mind is convinced that something could or is about to happen, and the furthest thing from your mind is that, then yeah, because I was just bracing myself. We had all these Memphis fans sitting right in front of us and I was just picturing in my head oh man what if they just I can hear them screaming and yelling as he nails a 32 footer or even a half court shot or just felt like whatever he got up in the air was going to go in yeah. at that point and so I just I, I almost I even forgot Logan was in a game I I just was just bracing myself and then I mean that where I'm just trying to think watching bat UC games for 30 years where a a play like that is a very unique play. I can't remember another time. I mean, they've had there's been game saving blocks, of course, but a steal in the backcourt. It, it, I just can't 
I can't think of one. My dad, who's, who's 68, I was asking him, so he's been watching games back into the 60s. He's, he's I, I don't remember ever seeing a game end like that. And then afterwards, when Logan came into the media room, he was incredible, right? He, he was fantastic. Uh, yeah, he, he was just great. He, uh, and like a little gem kind of guy, you know, like you said, this team's overall fairly quiet with their answers. And he, he just looked everybody in the eye and he was just speaking like he, he just loves being on this team. You can tell already. And um, just, he's like, you know, well thought out with his answers and just like, it's like, like he's been going to the media rooms for, for four years. Yeah. And this is his first one. Yeah. And he, he sat up there and he absolutely nailed it. Right. So but, that yeah. was that was a, a, an added bonus, an added benefit uh, to that game. Because you never know. Like, Logan's been really good in, in interviews and when, when he's talked to people. But you never know when they get up on that podium what you're going to get. And we found, like, our next guy. Like, our, yeah. ne- our next go-to guy was uh, unveiled before us. And I also <laughs> say, Nizir Brooks has gotten a ton better. Uh, doing those as well as we've gone through this season. Yeah, it, it takes some reps, I'm sure. I mean, I would be unless you're Logan. Think, yeah, exactly. Well, he's got the military upbringing, yeah, there, right. So he, I'm sure they, you know, stand up straight, look people in the eye. I'm sure that's how he was raised. So that that I'm sure that helps. But the last with, guy with, to be that good right away was Troy. Yeah, Troy was solid. I didn't, I wasn't there for his for his early year, but when I I was there for his last couple of years. He was, he was good, but, but yeah, Logan, Logan was great. And then, but in the game and that second half was, was nuts. And it was, it was a game where, and I said this in the article and I'm sure a lot of, a lot of you listening probably felt this way. You know, those games where you look up at the scoreboard at halftime and UC's up five and you're like, man, they should, should have been up 10 or 12. They were up 10. In fact, I went back and I mean, with about a minute, 10 to go. Yeah. And, um, they got a bucket and then. And then your buddy Antoine Jones made that three in the corner to cut it to five. And it was just, it just, you, you got the feeling at that moment that you see they're not pulling away in this game. It's just not going to happen. And they, they tried to, they well, tried the best. They, they tried could. to six or seven times. They get it yeah. to 10. And next thing you know, it was back to four. Yeah. This team just would, they wouldn't go away and they kept hitting shots at, 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 like the next possession after you see got it to 10, they did had no breathing room or any, like let me let's see if I can get a couple chances to to knock it up higher, but Martin, yeah, he he just he's on another level right now. I mean, I don't know if you would put him in the category of of Kemba Walker, twenty eleven type of thing where you just cannot stop him. I mean, you see, think about this: like how good you see is defensively over the years, and they if they want to lock in on one guy, they generally whether it's a guard, big guy, it doesn't matter. You go back all the way to the Huggins area, you go back to Anthony Hardaway, a coach of Memphis. They, I mean, they, they could put multiple guys on him, and they they would lock, they would just focus in, and it'd be like you ain't getting your average, and you're gonna have a rough night. And they did every possible thing they could do. They, were, they had Trayvon Scott trying to guard him to give him a little length to shoot over. He shook him and just popped it in his face. Cumberland, he, they tried him. It just twenty eight, and it was like twenty eight, and it was he. It didn't look like he was having that good of a game at halftime. I think he was three for nine ish at halftime. Yeah, it felt like they were doing a really good job on him at halftime. Yeah, I think he had ten somewhere in that range, and then he just down the stretch they they said you know there's no one else. We you got to be the guy, and UC was keying in on him, and he just kept hitting him, and it just and the free throws were no doubters, and yeah, but but you know that Cumberland he broke out of what his little three game deal and was just. 
he was matching him when he hit that deep three in Rainier Thornton's face from the right wing. That thing was way out there. And then, you know, drawing the fouls. And he, I'm sure you saw some of the, the little footage people clips or people people are putting up about like maybe he probably should have gotten a few more free throw attempts out of it. Yeah, sorry but, for my um, video quality on that. It, it it got it got messed up in the upload download transition. Good, there was some good comments Jerks. on that though. Jerks. <laughs> I I was chuckling at some of those comments. They were pretty funny. I think it was like that's what you know on the Android when someone sends me an iPhone yeah. video and that type of stuff. But yeah, but either way, I mean it was awesome to see like the, the two front runners for the for the uh, conference player of the year were going toe to toe and and um, you know, Martin edges Cumberland in the scoring column by two, and Cumberland edges him by two on the scoreboard. Yeah, uh, uh, Nizier Brooks again, really good. Um, I think finishing strong was definitely uh, a focus of his because he did what Justin Berg would do in those situations. He gathered himself and he dunked the ball. Yeah, he he Eric Hicks would have. I'm sure he was watching, and he was probably like, "Yeah, that's right," because you know that's what he wants. So. Uh, Pretty good game all around. Um, some weird stuff. I mean, the the Justin Jennifer ejection. Um, I mean, you have to do it, unfortunately, because the the way the rule is written, it, it's. I don't like it because he, he never actually got over there. It was the under eight timeout, but if you go back and look on look at it on video, like they didn't really have a choice. They they kind of had to to eject him there. And then Thornton stepping over Cumberland. I don't know how that he, – he stepped purposely on his hand. How is that not a flagrant two? I don't know. I looked – I watched it. It looked like he, he – it didn't look like he stepped on him. I, I I couldn't see him actually stepping on his body at all. It looked like he just he kind of – He stepped on his hand. Could, like he stepped, Did he? Yeah. Okay. I didn't see that. Okay. Well, yeah. Either, either way, it was a dumb play by him. And it gave UC a couple extra points, and hey, Memphis lost by two, so he got his got what he deserved. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot else from that game. It, it was a fun one. It, it's definitely fun to see some life being pumped back into Memphis, Cincinnati, and uh, I was really impressed with Penny post game. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Go ahead, but I've got something on that too. No, go. I mean, I, I just wanted to get yeah. that out there. Like, I was just really impressed with what he had to say, and, you know, I've joked around about some of the stuff that the, the controversial, quote-unquote controversial comments that he's made. Um, but I, his competitiveness is fantastic, and I, I was just really impressed with the way he handled himself in that presser. Yeah, I just think going even back to the first time the teams met, you know, early February and, and watching his media availability, watching him after that game, he just has a ton of respect for UC's program. He's trying to build Memphis like UC. He, he's he, – he talks about Mick Cronin. He talks about the culture. He talks about all that stuff. He know you know he's going to be getting some talented players. He's already got the pipeline working with with the number one player in the country and another guy who's I guess a top twenty five guy. So he's going to try to build that playing hard every possession. He really he, he's really in tune with that and and that being a um, a factor in winning ball games. And you know you look at the turnaround that they've had in the last month or so. Where they, they they you know winning at Wichita State when they were down by 16, kind of like that, not give up, play every single possession the whole 40 minutes. He mentioned that multiple times, and I think he attributes that to what Cincinnati does. He's obviously had enough experience on the other end of what Cincinnati does, and so he's just trying to mirror that, just like some other programs in the conference have. So yeah, he's he's on it. 
and yeah, his answers were were great. And and I know you you brought you, you said about you know asking about the monkey on the back because he's had a trouble well, against Cincinnati. I, I was trying to figure out a way to word that to get him to answer. Yeah, and that was because I I didn't figure. Hey, you're you're one and eight against the Bearcats in your career. Can you can you can you tell us about that? Like, <laughs> I wasn't gonna get a good answer out of that. Um, but he played along a little bit. Um, it was interesting, and he, I mean, it's it just interesting to always hear other people's perspectives. He basically said that '92 team we had no shot; they were too good. Yeah. Uh, and then he got went on to talking about now competing against Mick and the culture that he's built, and um, it, it's also interesting, Justin. We've talked to. A majority of the coaches in this league now, after after games at UC, um, we didn't get uh, Dunleavy. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why. And then we didn't get Danny Hurley. Uh, but everybody else that's come in, the other six guys we, we've had a chance to talk to, uh, there is an incredible amount of admiration and respect for the way that Mick has this program rolling. I think that's important because you want to listen to what their peers have to say. And they all are, are blown away by what Mick has done with this program. Yeah, it, it, the consistency is off the charts. You, you just you, – you, you total up. So the conference, this is the sixth year of the league, right? And, and the Bearcats are going to get their sixth bid to the tournament. And no one else has more than two. In that span, yeah, and, and we've so, seen we've seen how bad it's affected Connecticut. Memphis was, I mean, people forget Memphis was rolling in Conference USA when they came into this league. And, yeah, they made the tournament the first year. Yeah, and ever since they've they've, they've struggled. They've they've had game. They have they've won some games. I mean, they've had you know fifteen to twenty wins every year, but they haven't been able to win the big games that get them into the tournament. They just haven't had. I don't know if they haven't had the talent. They haven't had the, the schedule is. either. They yeah. they haven't beefed up what they needed to do in the non conference portion yet. Hopefully that's coming. Hopefully that's part of it. Yeah, it's true. Um, but I just it, it, it struck me as interesting just thinking back on that on on what all the coaches have pretty much in lockstep had to say about trying to beat Cincinnati, especially trying to beat Cincinnati at Fifth Third Arena. They all know, like, you're coming in there, and there's about a 95% chance you're exiting with a loss. So Right. And then you, and then the, the games that have been very close, that Johnny Dawkins afterwards, Penny, I mean, you could, I mean, man, it was, you could just see it all over them when they walked into that media room, just they, how, how tough of a blow that was to, yeah, to absorb. Yeah, they felt like they had a chance. Yeah. You know, and you're looking, you know, Johnny Dawkins, you're, he's losing Taco Fall and B.J. Taylor, maybe Aubrey Dawkins. Uh, if he explores the NBA and hears what he wants to hear. Um, Memphis is losing all five of their starters. I mean, they're, they're going to be talented next year, but they're losing the core of that team. So Penny's going to have work to do again. Um, I'm sure both felt like this was our shot to get them, and it didn't happen. Right. And they and they and really, if you if you look at Memphis in that game, and and also I, this is something that is look, looking ahead to Thursday's game, the first UCF game, and then the Memphis game the other night. Both those teams committed seventeen turnovers, yeah. but they both shot in the high forties from the field. So all they had to do was cut those down by six or eight turnovers, three and get four, get close to their average. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, exactly. For for um, for UCF, they needed 
probably have like six less. If you figure about a point yeah. per possession or so. And then Memphis was, yeah, so they, three or four, and they, they, they probably could have won. And that's, that's probably what kills them the most. And that's what would be concerning for if you're a UC fan looking to Thursday's game, because what if they don't get a high turnover total against UCF in the way that they can, you know, they, they found ways to score against UC the other night. But we'll get to that. Before we do, it's about uh, right about conference tournament time. Time to start looking at how things play out. And, and here's the interesting argument, I think, the most interesting argument for me. Um, Cincinnati with, with two wins, wins the conference outright. They would be the one seed. Uh, Cincinnati with a loss to UCF and a win over Houston would share a conference title with Houston, but Houston would be the one seed. Um, and then Cincinnati with a win over UCF and a loss to Houston would be the two seed. So right now Cincinnati locks up a two seed with a win. If they lose both, they would go into a tiebreaker with central Florida for the three seed. Not that there's a ton of difference there. Um, cause you're in that bottom side of the bracket. You're playing at night. Um, but obviously you'd like to be the two instead of the three. Um, you just don't want to be the four, which they can't be. They can't be the four. Um, Memphis is going to be the five, I think. Yeah. I don't know if that's already locked up. They don't play until Saturday. Um, but it would be very difficult. I think even if it's not locked up, it'd be very difficult for them to fall from the five, which means they're going to play on Thursday, but they're going to be playing at home. Um, and then they would play who are temple. Uh, if temple wins, oh, yeah. it's locked. Cause it, cause Memphis is 10 and seven, Wichita is eight and eight right behind them. So they can't drop below where they are. Okay. Um, yeah. temple will probably be the four. So that would be Memphis temple in the second round. And then the number one seed would get Memphis on their home floor. Do you prefer the one? Obviously you want to win the conference and be the one. But in terms of looking at this AAC conference tournament, you kind of want to be the two, I think. Yeah, if you if you want to win the tournament, if you're concerned with that, then probably it gives you a better chance. You still have a chance to play Memphis in the final, either way. But I don't honestly, I don't think it's going to change anything whether you win or lose the tournament. I I just don't think the committee cares. I think the tournament is for the teams that that they have something to prove and they haven't really beaten a tournament team yet and they get a chance to do it and they do it, that can put you in. But it's the – because you've seen this with the, with this conference tournament the last few years. Like when they played SMU a couple of years ago, they already said they were both going to be sixes no matter who won that game. And last year I think they were a two whether they beat Houston or not. So for what that's worth. Yeah. Um, I, I – I'm not really big on having like I, you like to win the conference tournament, obviously, but I think that does put a lot of stress on you. Three games in three days, and then you got to turn around, um, get back home. Especially in the the situation, I didn't mind it as much when they the the championship was on Saturday, but now with the championship on Sunday, by the if you're in that championship game in the afternoon, you're not getting home until eight or nine o'clock at night. And you've already got to get started on who you're going to play. Maybe you get Monday off, but probably not. Because if you've got a Thursday game, you're going to travel on Tuesday. 
practice on Wednesday, game on Thursday, you're probably going to need to get work in Monday. Like I just, it, it puts a lot yeah. of extra stress to be there all the way through Sunday. I'm a, I'm a fan of, of in these situations. Get to Saturday, play in the semis, play a good game. Let's get back on the plane and go home. You're never, yeah. you never want to lose. People are going right. to crush me for that. But just in terms of you know preparing for the NCAA tournament and the you know the 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 time constraints that that pre- presents, I don't think it's a bad thing to lose on Saturday. Yeah, and and the American Conference may be one of the more brutal leagues as far as like just how these games are played, attrition wise on your body and your mind. And I, well, you yeah, could, because you make, everybody in the league is shaping themselves after Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just it's bloodbath after bloodbath. Like last year, what was it, fifty six, fifty five? Yeah. And the in the final, I, I know I know this happens in a lot of leagues because everyone's so tired by the final game and they're just an ugly game. That, that's why I don't understand with these conference tournaments why you wouldn't have a day off between the semifinals and the final and try to get a little bit better quality of play. But yeah, I mean, so yeah, either you win the tournament or you get to the final or whatever the case is, or you you lose in the semifinals. And you get a little extra rest. I mean, what? Either way, you're still getting what you're going to get because they, they, they. I really think it's mostly the regular season for anyone who's like a lock into the tournament. So it's not going. I don't think it's going to affect their seed line one bit, one way or the other. No, I mean the only thing that that kills you is if you lose to a bad team in that first game. Yeah, and that might that might hit you a seed line, maybe. Maybe, but dependent. I, like if you're not. if you're the if you're the last six, and whoever is in position to jump you has a better conference tournament and gives himself a seed line bump. Then you bump yourself down. Like it's right. It's true. It is possible. Unless if it's a team you've already swept though, they probably, it's not like you can't beat that. You didn't show that you could beat that team. So, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. There's always that chance. And if you look at the, the bracket matrix now that averages out all the, the projections from everyone in the world doing, bracketology they're on the teetering between a six and a seven right now so i would think think, one of these two wins gets you up to a six yeah this week exactly yeah because that's another tournament win. you just you pat another one on there especially if you can get one on the road yeah senior day that's gonna be let's go ahead and get into it um okay we've we're about halfway through so we'll we'll transition into what's coming up thursday and sunday um, they they haven't had great success against the Bearcats. They know this is you know what they might meet in the conference tournament as a as a two and three, but they know this might be you know kind of their last chance. It's it's Taco and BJ Taylor's senior day. Um, they're going to be and and they're playing well. Like they're, they're going to have a ton of confidence right now coming off of that Houston win. So yeah, you're, you're going have, into yeah. a hornet's nest. Right. They're going to have confidence from that. They're going to be playing more free and more loose because they feel like they're probably in the tournament now. So they don't, it's not like they have to be, you know, grinding and, and, and worried about every little thing in this game. And they have the payback on their mind. Cause they, and they also, Hey, when you, you built an eight point lead at Cincinnati right. and you, you had a chance to beat them, there's confidence from that. So all those factors. And then you add in the senior day. And then taco so. taco didn't play well that game. So in their minds, they're you know they're thinking we almost got them, and our seven foot six monster didn't even really have an impact on the game. Yeah, it'll it, it, 
officiating, and Mick talked about this a lot on his coach's show last night, officiating in this is going to be huge because the main reason they were able to neutralize Taco, who played a lot more minutes in that game than he normally plays. He played 34 minutes, I think. Yep. When he's usually 25 or so. Um, but Nizier Brooks stayed pretty clear of foul trouble and was able to really give him fits with his strength and his ability to keep Taco off balance. Um, so uh, which one of those guys stays on the floor is going to be uh, a pretty important factor for them. Yeah. It, it, if from, from UC's standpoint, you're, you're trying to figure out wh- how are you going to get that 60, 65 points in, in a, especially in a road game, and, and you got to figure that free throws are going to have to be part of that. Right. It's just the way that they defend. They they cha- they, they crowd you on the three point line, and Cumberland only got one three point attempt off in the first meeting. Terrell Allen played a fantastic game. He did. He was all up in them, and like you said, because he could be, because there was somebody back there guarding the rim, so Cumberland couldn't. If you if if he beat beat you off the dribble, he couldn't just run all the way in there and lay it in or get fouled. So they only he only got four free throw attempts in that first game, and that was that's why one of the reasons why his point total was so low. Of course, going two for thirteen doesn't help either. Um, but but so that so now you're looking at now you're looking at how do you get those points if you so hope like that's that's probably why Mick was was talking about that like got to get to the foul line against them. They're, they're, it's just so hard to score, especially down there. And then the fact that they'll probably take better care of the ball, that their turnovers are much lower at home. That's an extra run out or two that maybe you would have had in that first game that you don't get. So that's that, you know, I think defensively you see will be okay in this one on that end. You really worry about the fact that Aubrey Dawkins can hit guarded shots. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do. He can still make them. You can play a perfect defensive possession and, and you just give up two or three points, but yeah, there's just you know the, that first game was so close, and the fact that they had all those those giveaways um, would scare you if you're looking at it from Cincinnati's standpoint because it's like God they scored they scored like almost 1.3 points per possession on the possessions they didn't turn it over. So there's 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 some things to think about on both ends. But yeah, how how is UC going to get 60 65 points in this game? Because they, they're averaging 40. They scored 49 in both their last two trips down there. Yeah, that has been a house of horrors for the Bearcats. Just the last two years. Eh, if, uh, they scored six. They beat them 69-51 the year before. Yeah, they were really bad that year, I think. I know. I think I, I, since Dawkins has got there, UC hasn't gotten to 50 down there. Uh, it's maybe maybe it's just all trips to Florida. Yeah. It feels like every South Florida trip, too, they score in the, the 40s or 50s. I don't, right. You're going down to the nice weather. Like, should be sharp. Yeah, you should be loose and feel like yeah. <laughs> shouldn't, I don't shouldn't be getting killed. Shouldn't be terrible off the maybe too much too much time thinking about man. It's nice down here. <laughs> yeah, the, the, there's just a couple. There's there's a there's a handful of buildings in this league that when UC goes there, the shots they're not going in. SMU and then the two Florida schools. It, it, it's I don't know if it's a mental thing, it's just a, if it's just a hard place to shoot. Maybe nobody really makes shots in these buildings. I haven't looked at all the statistics there, but they just seem to be extra bad, extra off in these buildings. Yeah. Let's, let's hope that's not the case tonight, but or, t- or Thursday night, but you have to anticipate that it will be. 
That's just what yeah. history shows. Now, UCF's defense is not as good as it has been the past two years, and we talked about that last time. Some of that is their tempo is is up. Um, so they, they're not trying to grind you out maybe as much as they have in the past. They still are, but not, not from the standpoint of they're taking 30 seconds to score and you're taking 30 seconds to score every trip. Um, so it's been, they've yeah. been a little bit different on that that end. They're, they're three points worse per 100 possessions this year. So it's not a giant drop from what what they what they were right. last year or the year but before. But they have but, more possessions, so that means more points. Yeah. They, I just think – when I looked at it, it was they're, they're fouling a little more this yeah. year than they normally do. But – but either way, their offense is so much better that it exactly. negates it that. Negates so it. that's why they're that's why they're a tournament team. This the offense. I mean, the defense is still good. Like they're still capable. I mean, they. You look at that Houston game. They really bottled Houston up in that second half. Yeah, especially the final ten minutes. Yeah, I mean, Houston had that one spurt where they got the lead, but other than that, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot to it. I mean, they they didn't get many good looks, and Houston has very much been a second half team this year. Yeah, and UCF really controlled the tempo in that. Houston was not running up and down like they like to do. And they just – that was that was impressive, man. And, and that kind of in a way, like a little happy for UCF. Just, just I know it helped UC and all that, but just it felt like they've just had things go against them, especially last year with the injuries. And then they had a couple tough losses earlier this year, and now they finally broke through. So it was kind of cool to see that happen. Yeah. And then on Sunday, Senior Day, <clears throat> a lot of appreciation for uh, for what Kane Broom and Justin Jennifer have brought to this program. Um, I hate that it's that early because I think it's usually a late-arriving crowd. Uh, hopefully people will get there as early as possible and, and give those two a, 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 a healthy ovation because they both earned it. Um, but, man... The strides Justin Jennifer has made this year. Hats off to him because we're sitting at Senior Day and, and for two for a year and a half, everybody has said before this year, can't win with him on the floor. You know, he doesn't really bring a whole lot, blah, blah, blah. And, and it, to a point, some of that was true. But he kept working. He kept grinding. And he's been a huge factor in this team exceeding everyone's expectations this year oh no doubt you know how much i love him he, he was my first on camera interview <laughs> done a bunch with him since and yeah you just you love it you love the idea of a guy who everyone has been telling he can't do certain things and he's just, all right fine i'm gonna show you that i can and i think last year he took a lot of flack people thought that kane broom should have been playing more than him and and, uh, and it was just like, oh, well, what's the value of a guy who has such a good assist to turnover ratio, but he doesn't score and all this other stuff. And um, you're seeing what you're seeing that when he's actually given the opportunity to take some shots, he can score. Because really, if you look at his career, he's really never been in a position where he's played enough minutes to ever get in any kind of rhythm. And then last year, we fi- he finally did. But it was like he was the fifth option every time he was on the floor. So he he stepped into a guy that they needed to score some points this year and he and he's been able to do it and he's leading the league in three point percentage still isn't he uh i think so i haven't checked it recently 
Uh, he's up there. He's, I know he's one, two. He's right up there at the top of the league. Yeah. So, and, and that was, and, and we, we've talked about this before, but just going from shooting a knuckler when he arrived on campus to a beautiful shot now that is, he's hitting, you know, over, over 40% of them. But, uh, but yeah, just his, his leadership too. And, and his steadying force and setting his calming influence. Like you talk about the other night when he gets ejected and UC has an eight plus point lead down the stretch and they, you know, give up, give up, give up a few things, have a couple turnovers that you're a little on. You know, eh, what would happen on that type of plays? You, you wonder if, if he's out there, maybe a couple of those don't happen and it's a little more of a comfortable victory. I don't know. But either way, just overall, he's just been a steadying influence on that end, um, a leader on defense at the point of attack. And then, yeah, he's scoring. I mean, he's he's been incredible. He, he does definitely deserves a humongous ovation and, and a lot of love from the fan base. And Kane Broom does as well. I mean, a, a yeah. lot of guys have started – poorly in their senior year and, and put pressure on themselves and end up having bad senior seasons. And Kane fought through that. He, he didn't have the best start to his senior year. He, he did it. He had a lot going on and he was able to fight through that. And, and now you could argue he's one of the three or four most important guys on this team as we head down the stretch because he has been that spark off the bench and he has given him some playmaking ability when he's been in. He has been able to take some of that defensive focus off Jaron Cumberland. And I, I think he gets a lot of credit for sticking with it, not sulking, not pouting, not quitting in midseason like we've seen guys do before. Um, he stayed with the team. He stayed with the plan. He kept working hard. And on the other end, here we are in March, and, and he's a guy that they're very much counting on. Yeah. I mean, he, he, first game of the season, of course, didn't go how he would have liked. And then – Took him a couple games after he got sent to the bench as the sixth man. But then he had that five-game stretch, the, the, the tournament in Florida, the Niceville tournament, and then the, the UNLV game when Jaron was in foul trouble the whole game and couldn't score. And he ends up – Kane scores 14. Kind of saved the day there a little bit. And then the, then he had a little more of a funk again. But then when he got – that Tulsa game was the thing. It just really got the monkey off his back, and he – he's been playing so free and assertive and he's not hesitating. He's, he's just looking for his offense. He's, and then on defense has been a, a big adjustment too, for him to, to coming from sacred hearts. He took a year or so. And now he's, he's playing active and sound at the same time. And that is, that is ideal for a Bearcat player. And he's been getting, you know, more minutes, especially in the first halves and things like that. And, and I think that's probably because, it's his defense. And, and I know that he's been kind of a heat check guy. And if he has it, he has it. If he doesn't have it, then maybe he doesn't play as much in the second halves of certain games. But now I feel like it seems like at least that the coaching staff can trust him more, play him in bigger spots. And then he was on the floor at the end of that you know Memphis game. So he got some good um, experience being on the floor in a tight game at the end. But yeah, he, he's awesome too. I love him. I've done interviews with him too, and he's always been great. And uh, you got to thank him for for choosing Cincinnati. Yeah, so get out there early, thank those guys, give them a big ovation. Um, both of them have been critical pieces uh, to this team, and and this team unexpectedly being where they're at in position for another league title. Uh, see, and, and I battled with this, Justin. I, I don't think that it's a surprise that they're in position 
to play for a league title this final weekend. What I do think is a surprise is that they're 14-2 and two to get there. Yeah. I mean, if you would have told me, because I thought most of the league was going to be right around where Central Florida is right now, 12-4. and four. And that there would be jostling at the end between three or four teams to see who would win the conference or share the conference uh, in that final week because everybody was kind of closely packed. And instead, Houston has a phenomenal season. They're sitting at 14-2 and two and Cincinnati's tied. That's the part that I that surprises me. I, I just didn't – if you would have told me Houston going into that final week was 14-2, and two, I would have said, eh, Cincinnati probably isn't playing for a league championship. Yeah, it's although it's been like that the last few years. SMU had one loss. Absolutely. It just felt like last this year, year was yeah. going to be a little yeah. bit different because of everything that everybody lost. You know, Rob Gray and um, – Devin Davis from Houston, what UC lost has been well documented. UCF was really the only one that was bringing back a majority of their team. Um, Plus Dawkins. Plus Dawkins. Temple with the huge loss of Obi Echinionia. (laughs) Huge. Huge. Um, So it felt like there would be a tighter group at the top. I just didn't think that that this team would be able to keep pace if Houston was going to set the – set the bar at 14 and 2 with a week to go. Yeah, I think I think if you look at the league there there's a few teams in there that you thought were going to be better. SMU and UConn both had key injuries to I mean to both pretty much you could say their best players. Yeah. And so they're both 5 and 11. And so if you if you're looking at them and you know you see sweeps both of them so does Houston you thought maybe that those are the types of teams that could give you trouble especially right, if they're Right, win a game here and there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they so that knock, so that way the yeah. the conference leader is at twelve and four, thirteen and three. Right. Yeah, right. I'm with you. So on that, that. So, yeah, so that, just that, and then and then Tulsa finished. They were pretty good last year, and they they just didn't quite have it this year. They're eight and nine. They didn't beat anyone anyone up up, up the top of the league. So there's just a, you know there's a few teams now. You could also say that that South Florida comes out and and pulls a few games early. They they should have beaten Temple a couple times, but they didn't actually. They didn't actually beat anybody at the top of, of, of the um, of the standings. So they UCF swept them, Houston swept them, UC, UC beat them once. Yeah. yeah. So so there just weren't like those those jump up and beat you type of teams. Really, it was the only one was UC losing to East Carolina. That was like a big surprise of a loss as far as like the teams in the upper portion of the the league. So yeah, that's how you end up with two teams with only two losses. Credit to UC for being there. I I didn't think. I didn't foresee that if it was gonna if it was gonna take fourteen and two, I didn't foresee it. Yeah, especially when you lose to East Carolina, you figure like, man, now they're gonna have to make up for that game somewhere. And they and have they, everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and now here we are. I know this is Dave's favorite term. They control their own destiny <laughs> as they uh they go to UCF and then Houston here. Uh they have to feel much like you would think UCF feels pretty good about Cincinnati coming into their gym. UC has to be feel pretty good the way they played down in Houston outside, you know, for 24 minutes, 25 minutes, or 34 minutes. And, and then those final six minutes, obviously, they couldn't buy a bucket, but they were right there. They had a lead with six minutes to go. You, you got to feel pretty good with them coming back into your house that if we can play similar to how we played in that game the first time, 
let's face it, both of these games are going to be close with five minutes to go. They should be. Um, but you got to feel pretty good that, you know, you, you, you've got a chance against Houston to get them at your place and not hit that cold stretch the final six minutes of the game. Yeah, the Houston, to me, comes down to the, the, the paint points or the, the percentage, the field goal percentage in the paint. Because I think Houston just they, – they, they really negated UC. They blocked them nine times. They just – they didn't let them get anything easy at the bucket, whereas Houston was getting a bunch of drop-down passes and layups and stuff like that. And in a game where it's so hard to score because both teams know each other so well and they both play excellent defense, you got to make those close ones. So there's there's where the game could swing in UC's favor if they if they clean that up and they're able to defend the paint better and then score better and at a better rate in the paint. That's what I'd be looking at in that one. I feel like everything else, like Houston doesn't force a ton of turnovers. They don't turn the ball over a ton. So I can't see UC coming out and, and forcing them into like 15 turnovers like some of these other teams. Um, it'll just go back and forth and it'll be like who, who converts their opportunities and who doesn't. And then I know Houston beat them on the glass by six last time, so – get that a little bit closer to even but um it's i mean both of them are gonna I, I i can't see either one being a blowout or anything like that like you said just come down to the end and you have to execute and this this bearcat team is just incredible like how you know they just they give up these runs or they they have these they get down by eight or nine on the road or whatever it is it, more than 10 and you're just like oh man this just isn't gonna happen and then all of a sudden it they're, oh, it's down to five. Oh, they're back ahead. Like, Very resilient. How, how, how are they doing it? Like, they're it's, resilient. It's, it's Yeah, I mean, that that is definitely the, 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 the word to describe this year's team. They just – you can't kill them. They just – which is, which is good, you know, if you're looking ahead to the postseason because you're going to end up – you're going to end up, you know, giving up runs or falling behind or whatever the case is, and they just seem like – like Logan was talking about after the game the other night. Like, they just – that's when they they rise back up. They say, you, "You think you got us, huh? Like we're coming right back at you." All right, it is time for a double edition of the Trace Pountas pick of the week. Oh God, a double edition! What is Trace Pountas? <laughs> they sell freshly roasted gourmet coffee shipped directly to you. The coffee beans are roasted to order your order and shipped out immediately. Every bag of beans we ship to you has the roast date clearly printed on it, so you know your coffee is fresh. I, uh, I hooked up our friend Megan Coffee, convenient, that her last name is Coffee. She's a big coffee drinker. I hooked her up. She she wanted to try it, so I hooked her up, gave her uh, one of my shipments of Trace Pountas coffee, and she loved it. It's great flavor. She said it, wasn't, it was very smooth, which is what I've heard from everybody I've talked to that drank it. And she said uh, she was kind of uh, the, the, the caffeine pop from fresh roasted coffee is a lot different than the caffeine pop you get from coffee bought in the store she said she was uh she was buzzing around and everybody was like megan you okay you uh <laughs> you, you pound six red bulls or something it's like one cup of coffee i'm ready to go so uh that's what you can look for here how do you get it you go to www.tracepountas.com slash coffee t-r-e-s-p-o-n-t-a-s.com slash coffee all orders like we said roasted fresh and shipped out immediately 12-ounce bags and K-Cups. They offer light, medium, dark, and French roast. Uh, all four have a different flavor profile, so check that out on the website. See which one works best for you. And then, when you're getting your subscription to Trace Pound Test Coffee, go to check out Inner Bearcats. That gives you 20% off, and you get free shipping. 
So go to tracepontas.com, T-R-E-S-P-O-N-T-A-S.com slash coffee. Enter Bearcats at checkout. Get 20% off and get your subscription to the official coffee of a website that doesn't have anybody that drinks coffee. <laughs> it's wild. I don't. You don't. I don't think Dave does. It's not a lot of coffee drinkers. But uh, it, I'm surprised you don't. I'm I'm a spaz. I don't need coffee. Okay. I just I I have you pegged for a coffee guy. I mean, I, I I'm high on life, Justin. And <laughs> co- coffee coffee just pushes it over the edge. Like I I, I used to I used to I drink a lot of Red Bull. And that just was ridiculous. Like, it, there was no need for that. It was absolutely unnecessary. I didn't need the upper. <laughs> finally, finally, my wife was like, can we slow you, you, I'm tired of you bouncing off the walls. Can we cut back on that a little bit? It's like, okay, good idea. Good idea. All right, Justin. Thursday night at Central Florida. Who you got? Central Florida. I'm picking the Bearcats. Okay, I, I I'm leaning towards a two and a week. I think they actually pull this off. But you got Central Florida. Do you have it close? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't. I mean, I'm I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it'll come down to like you said the last five minutes. But I just looking at the first matchup, I just don't see Central Florida turning it over as anywhere near as many times they did in the first game. And <clears throat> I think the Bearcats can be scored on enough that I don't know that they're going to be able to score enough the other way to pull that one out. It would take a much better shooting performance on the road than we've seen many times this year. Yeah, that's part of it. <laughs> um, and then Houston at home, senior day. No way you can pick against the Bearcats at home on senior day. No, nah, I'm, I'm taking Broom and Jennifer and, and all the red in the crowd and, uh, and Cronin getting some payback on Kelvin Sampson. So you've got the Bearcats one and one that would tie them. They would share the American Athletic Conference Championship with Houston. Houston would be the one seed going into the tournament. Cincinnati would be the two seed. For you, is that best case scenario? I don't. I don't know that it matters. Again, I, like I said before, I think the only thing that matters <laughs> is avoiding Memphis in Memphis as long as you can avoid Memphis in Memphis. Right, but then. The other the other side of that is you could go to um, a little you know, reliving history of beating them three times before you know they beat them four times in '92 and you could you could get a three game sweep, two of them on their floor, so that might be more satisfying than just you know trying to avoid them. But yeah, I think you know you're gonna if you end up with the two seed, then you're gonna have to play more than likely Central Florida right away again, and. Um, so you would have a chance to get, I guess if yeah, you probably would rather be the two because then you're going to play, you have a chance to get another tournament team win before you get to the finals. So yeah. If you, so like if you got through, like if you got through if you were the one and then you got to the end, then and you'd like probably last year, play like, Temple in the in the in the yeah. sec, in the semis. Like last year when Houston or Memphis, like Houston and Wichita had that epic game in the in the semifinals. And Houston was able to get that extra win. I, although, again, the committee already said that they think they were a six either way. Yeah. Even though they beat Wichita, who was a four. So, I don't know, man. You know, just see some entertaining basketball and whatever happens, happens. And, yeah, if they can if they can win it again, it'd be cool. If, if not, I mean, no one's going to be crying about it. Oh, yes, they will. 
<laughs> Especially if, if, if the referees have something to do with it. Oh, yes, they will. Oh, all right. Well, so, I, I've got so, I've got them two and zero. I think they find a way. I the the way this season has gone, I I have faith that this team finds a way. Yeah, I mean, so, you, so I mean, sixteen and two in the league, uh, two years in a row, three years in a row, right? Three years in a row, yeah. Wow, because that'd be incredible. SMU was seventeen and one, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, and UC lost to to Wichita and, and Houston last year. They they split with them. And no one else beat them. So, man, yeah, there's it, a lot of wins happening. It, it, all they need is all they do have to do is win one more, and it's the most ever. Or is it already the most? Sorry, right. well, they're tied team? at 86. Okay, tied. Okay, or no, 86 was the record. 85 was when they were tied. Okay, so here's something. <laughs> okay, and th- this is not necessarily. At, I'm not necessarily asking you this directly. I'm just bringing this up, just just to, to bearcat people listening to this in general but at this point you, you can pretty much stamp the fact that that the bearcats are going to get back to the tournament for the ninth straight year and and for me in my fan years um it was the tournament it was kind of nerve-wracking it just you just you you just were so i, I don't know about about you but i the, the dread dreading the season ending earlier than you want and the fact that in the last since since '97, all the way until last year, that that you've only been able to enjoy the the second weekend of the tournament twice in 17 trips. It, it's it's just like it's so much more fun to have those extra four days after that first weekend to be all looking at all the matchups and watching all the stuff and reading everything and talking about it. And when UC gets knocked out in the first weekend. Uh, it just—it's so hard to even look at the rest of the tournament. I just—I don't, don't want to watch anything else. So, I guess the question is like, the, before the season started, the, there was there was thoughts that they might not even make the tournament. And now that they're gonna make it, and they're they're <clears throat> trending towards that six and potentially a five line. Like, is like like are you are you gonna allow yourself to be like, hey, this could be the year we can make the run, or are you more like? man, I don't want to get sucked in again and then something happens again and then we're out. You know, it's like, can you, I guess the question is like, can you really enjoy them being in the tournament? Um, or is it like this year, the fact that they just got there, that maybe it is like a house money thing and you just go in there like with nothing in your head and you're just like, let's just see what happens. For me, I'm different because I, as you know, I have the ability that when the next day hits, like I, I don't worry about the day before. So, yeah, when they lose, it sucks, but I just don't spend a lot of time worrying about it. Yeah. Um, and especially with everything that's gone on over the past 18 months, like right. my perspective on life has changed to the point where like I worrying about what happened yesterday doesn't do me any good. So no. I, I, I get excited every year for the tournament. One, I love okay. watching the tournament. Um, two, I just I want to see what they can do. And it's it's been since I've started doing this, it's completely changed things for me because instead of like my fandom growing up as a kid, it's more, I've gotten to know these guys really well and I'm around and I get to know them personally. And I, with a lot of them, I end up getting to, you know, I get to know their mom and their dad, um, you know, through the recruiting process or coming up and and watching games. Like my, my attachment is different now. Because now I, I want to see it happen for them. Right. So I that's where the, like, 
like the the what really stung about last year was I wanted Gary and and Jake and Kyle to 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 make a run because those were just great dudes and it would have been really cool for them to make a run and put their stamp on program history and be one of those teams that people talked about 20 years from now. Um, that's what really hurt probably more than anything when everything happened. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like I, my fandom, I don't want to say it's gone, but it's just changed. Um, you're rooting for something different. I mean, yeah. you're still rooting for them to win, but you're rooting but, more for the individual players and the guys on a, on a different level than just like I want them to win because I want my team to win. Right. I want it. I want good stuff to happen for me. It's a, like I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's okay. And I, I, that was all that happened just kind of naturally, like that. Yeah. There wasn't any plan for that to happen. Um, that's just kind of how it how it ended up. Yeah, and and I guess you know I've been thinking about it because it's no secret that I, I've been you know gigantic number one fan guy for a long time, and and last year's loss was you know we don't need to go back into it, but but thinking about that, <clears throat> I don't know that anything worse can happen now. You've had that, you've had a buzzer, a banked buzzer beater, end your season like so, I you know. The only thing I guess that could happen worse is just a further buzzer beater or a or you blow a 24 point lead or whatever, which is <laughs> very, very unlikely. So I guess going into this this year's tournament, it's like what I guess there's nothing really to be scared of because like the worst has already happened. And the other part of it is looking at um, sports and life in general. It's always interesting to see how people respond to losing or to having heartbreak or whatever the case is or a big time setback. Because, you know, a lot of people are talking about Virginia and how they were that one seed last year, the first seed ever, one seed ever to lose to a 16. And more than likely, they're going to come back this year and get to the final four. And it's going to be one of those stories of like, you know, it has a beginning when they has the low or point they lose then, early again. And boy. Yeah, but they're not good. They're good. I know they I mean, are. I know they they're are. They're not losing early they, again. They were but, the number one overall seed last year. But they had their most important player out. So, I mean, They it got was rolled by like a Right before seed. the season. I know, but it was – either way, I mean, hey, UC fans know what it's like to lose your best player, your most important player right before a tournament and, and not go anywhere. So, yeah, I know that was – either way, I don't – I would bet on the fact that they are going to make a run and it's going to be one of those, like – Remember the lowest point, and we said, hey, we can't have anything worse happen to us, and we just started playing like nothing to lose because we've already lost it all once. So I don't know if like the remaining Bearcat players who were on the floor last year um, or on the bench um, when that game ended or in that locker room, I'm not sure where you know how that sits with them, if they think about it, if that's a part of their motivation, or I don't – I'm sure it is. But that's one of – that's something else to watch. Like you root – I'm rooting mostly to see – some of these guys avenge that feeling. And yeah, of course, like selfishly, I want to like still care about the tournament the, the, the Monday through Wednesday or Thursday of the following week for one. Like it feels like that never get to, but it's more so I can understand like what you're saying is I look at, you know, Kane who had the ball at the end of that game last year and got a shot blocked or, you know, the, Justin or, and Jaron who fouled out, you know, and didn't even get a chance at the end of that game. And so, um, I'm hoping that they all get a chance to to do something about it. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. I just, uh, you and, know. Yeah. I, I'm, and, I'm different in a lot of ways. 
I'm very different. Well, of course. <laughs> You've also been doing this longer, and you and you. You're in there where you're always there. You, 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 like you said, you, you've got to know. I mean, you know, you get to know their parents. Like you know these guys um, for for years and years and years, and you knew them before they even got to UC in most cases. So you, you, you know, you've you formed a bond and like a like a, a, a friendship with these guys in in a way. So yeah, that's a different perspective than you know the people that are that are they're going to the games are going to have a different way of looking at it or watching them. And of course, like everyone. So that, I guess I guess the question is more so to um, people who have been watching games for a while, going to games. Like, are you you dreading this tournament, or are you just like, hey, I didn't even know if they were going to make it this year. So let's just go into it and have some fun. And hey, if they get past, if they get through the first round, they get through, the, or the second round, or whatever, they get through. If they don't, they don't. The odds are that if unless you're a protected seed, you're not supposed to make it to the Sweet 16. So right, you know, looking at you know, all these years, like they've only had one time where they really should have made it. And it was last year and they didn't. Then they had another time where they shouldn't have made it. And they did when they were a six and they got through Florida state. So, you know, the rest of the time it's just been, you know, chalk, chalk, chalk. Um, other than the, the loss to Harvard, but then I would make the argument that good luck trying to beat Michigan state when you have the 104th ranked offense or whatever they had that year. Yeah. And Harvard was, nah, I don't want to get into it. Harvard was way underseated as a 12. I know. I'm just saying that, you know, but either way, like, like pretty much everything's gone according to plan except for two years. And one year it went Bearcats way and one year it didn't. So it's kind of like a, you know, everything's even Steven at this point. And it's hard to expect them to have done, you know, anymore, but, but either way. So yeah, going into this year, you just, Hey, you know what, you know, they worked hard. They believe they're obviously resilient. They, they, you know, they, and when you have a guy like Jaron Cumberland as like the, the heartbeat of your team, you're going to feel pretty good because this guy, all he's ever done is really is win games. And going back to when he was really young or when he's the guy, um, the team just has like a different mentality. So you got to feel good about that. And you could look at the numbers and say, well, their offense is this, their defense is this, it's not as good as then or whatever the case is. But listen, you get into the tournament and you're playing teams who are just as good or a little bit better than you it's going to be a tight game with five minutes to go. And right now you like the, you like the demeanor of this team in those situations. Absolutely. All yeah. right. That's all I got. You got anything else? That'll do it. Yeah. Uh, if, if anyone's listening and you're going to the, uh, you're going down to Orlando or you live in Florida and you're going to the game, um, check out this pub called burger. U. it's right by CFE arena and they have sweet potato waffle fries that you can dip into marshmallow dipping sauce and it was the best side i've ever had in my life so uh, i've never seen that i've never seen that anywhere else i don't know why why wouldn't more places serve that it's incredible like you should get a restaurant what are people what are restauranteurs doing how do you not have this if anybody's got a restaurant sweet potato waffle fries marshmallow dipping sauce justin berg will be there asap yeah Yeah, i'm jealous of I'm jealous of the people going down to that game just for that. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I will. Uh, I will see you Sunday for sure. Uh, we'll have uh, previews coming up. Uh, maybe a look at, uh, at at where UC is at. Um, in all the national brackets and all of Berg's favorite things. I know he loves bracketology. Big, yeah. Big bracketologist himself. <laughs> uh, but we got a lot of good content coming up. Uh, I'm going to talk to uh, Brady Collins tomorrow. Uh, get ready for spring football. Spring football starts on Saturday. 
So we will be there. Uh, it might interfere some next week as I go down to Memphis for the conference tournament. Uh, I might miss one. Hopefully I'll ha be able to have Dave get there on Saturday if I miss that one. Um, but other than that, full coverage of spring practice as well. A lot of good stuff going on. Thanks to everybody for listening in. We'll see you next time. He's Justin Berg. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.